Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Amen. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be with you, friends, as always. Um, today, we're continuing in our sermon series called Joseph's Journey about the life of Joseph. And two weeks ago, Ian gave a powerful sermon, and I love the title. It was called The Art of Weeping. So I'm going to do a minor act of theft this morning and title my sermon The Art of Blessing. Now, the word blessing is something that we use all the time very trivially often, um, not always knowing really what it originally meant. So what if followers of Christ are called to be people who intentionally bless others? If that's the case, it would be good to know what blessing is, wouldn't it? So I'd like to define blessing, but first let me ask us these questions just to think about. Do you believe that a few well-chosen words at the right time can change a person's life. Have you ever thought about the fact that you hold power in partnership with God to help shape a person's perception of themselves through the words you speak? Do you believe it's possible that God wants to use you to help other people see truths about themselves that they can't see on their own, or truths about their potential that they can't see on their own? That's what we're talking about this morning when we talk about blessing. We're not talking about just saying nice things. We're talking about allowing ourselves to be used of God to speak grace and truth into people's lives in a way that helps shape their understanding of themselves as beloved of God and as people for whom God truly has good and unique and beautiful purposes. So what is blessing? Let's define blessing. And this definition is on your handout. I'm borrowing here from pastor and author Alan Wright. A blessing is a positive vision spoken in faith in accord with God's word over another person's life in confidence that it can come to pass. Now that's a mouthful, so let's take a moment to digest that. Um, A blessing is a positive vision spoken in faith in accord with God's word, over another person's life, in confidence that it can come to pass. So let's pick up where we left off last week with the story of Joseph. And I'm not going to rehash the whole story. Um, it's a long and complicated and wonderful story. You can read it starting in Genesis 37. But in short, Joseph, who's sold into slavery by his brothers who hated him, had a series of terribly misfortunate events happen to him including being slandered for something that he wrong, you know, a wrongdoing he didn't commit, unrightfully ending up in jail, being forgotten about in jail. And yet over time, we see people around him recognizing his integrity, his God-given talents, giving him privileged roles and responsibilities. And eventually, he even ends up as second in command in Egypt under Pharaoh. God's hand is clearly on Joseph. God is using Joseph to help Egypt and the surrounding countries survive a harsh famine. And God uses Joseph to save his family, who otherwise would have probably starved in the land of Canaan. And over the past two weeks, we've heard the story about how Joseph is reunited with his estranged brothers. 
uh, when they come to Egypt looking for grain, not even knowing that he's there. And, and Joseph, with Pharaoh's permission, makes a way for his whole family to relocate to Egypt and, and live in the best part of Egypt. And, and then here's where we are today. Chapter 47, Joseph is presenting his family to Pharaoh, starting with his brothers. Here's what I want us to focus on today. Joseph presents his father Jacob to Pharaoh. And Jacob and Pharaoh were two very different people. They have a conversation, and something really beautiful happens in that conversation. So let's read, and this is on your handout, chapter 47, verses 7 through 12. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult. They do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt, gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their children. So what do we see here? We see a conversation about Joseph's age, his lifetime of sorrows, but we also see something else here. We see a blessing take place, a double blessing actually, right? Notice who's giving the blessing and who's receiving it. It's not Pharaoh blessing Jacob, it's Jacob blessing Pharaoh, and Jacob blesses him at the beginning of the conversation and then again at the end. And that, surprising. I mean, shouldn't Pharaoh be the one blessing Jacob? Pharaoh is the one in power here. Right? Jacob is old. He's bent and broken by time and grief. In fact, he's an environmental refugee. He's in a foreign country that owes him nothing. And on top of that, he's a shepherd and a Hebrew. And we're told that Egyptians despised shepherds and they despised Hebrews. I just want to give a plug here for last week's sermon that Adam gave. If you missed it, you'll want to catch it on the podcast. Uh, Adam's sermon talked about the cultural racism that was at play behind the scenes in the story and how that speaks to our context today. But as we're saying, Egyptians despised shepherds. They despised Hebrews. And guess what? Jacob was both. So culturally speaking, Jacob and Pharaoh are in. And yet, Jacob has the audacity to bless Pharaoh. And not just once, but twice. Now, we don't know the exact nature of the blessing. We're not told what he said. So in order to get a sense of what blessing would have been like in that time, we need to look at some blessings in the Old Testament. So we see a strong tradition in the Old Testament, especially of fathers blessing their sons. Usually, uh, a father's blessing for a son uh, involves three things. Encouragement. Details about inheritance and prophetic words about the son's future. And so a blessing was actually equivalent to a final will and testament. It was irrevocable. So it was very powerful words. Even though they were just spoken, they were very powerful. And I want us to read a short blessing. And this also is on your handout uh, from Genesis. This is the blessing that was spoken over Jacob, right? Joseph's father. The, spoken, the, the blessing spoken over him by his father, Isaac. Joseph's grandfather. 
And this is how the blessing went. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. That's what a blessing might have been like in the Old Testament era of ancient Israel. And so here we have Isaac invoking God's favor and provision over his son, but also calling his son to step into his family role, his family responsibility, his inherited identity. Let's look at another blessing in the Old Testament. This is from Numbers. This is a blessing that um, God gives to Moses to then give to Aaron uh, and his sons, who were the priests of ancient Israel, to speak over the people of Israel. Numbers 6, verse 24. The Lord says to the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them, says the Lord. Anyone recognize that blessing? Yeah, it's a pretty common blessing. You might have seen a cross-stitched on a pillow. Um, this is a blessing that's very common in Jewish services, often closing a synagogue service. And I want us to notice two things about this uh, blessing. First of all, it was a partnership between Aaron and his sons and God, right? They, it was not a purely a human thing. It was a partnership between people and God. Aaron and his sons, the priests, spoke the words, but God blessed the people through the words. And in the Bible, a blessing is always a collaboration between people and God. In the, in the biblical sense, a blessing is not merely human. But it's not exclusively divine. It's both human and divine. Now, now take a look at the blessing in the language of the blessing. Do you see any repeated words or phrases in this blessing? Let's pay attention to those repeated words or phrases. You see the, 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 the repetition of the phrase may, may the Lord, may. The word also let is a kind of um, similar word. When we uh, close our service, uh, a church of the well, generally we close with a benediction, which is simply a blessing that functions as a send-off. And, and you'll notice if you pay attention to the wording of the benediction, that it often begins with the word may. Now why is that important? Well, grammatically speaking, the words may or, or let are really important clues about the tense that we're in. And these words are dead giveaways that we're dealing with, not the past, not the present, not the future tense, but the subjunctive tense. And that's the second thing I want us to notice here, the subjunctive. Um, has anyone ever studied the subjunctive in a foreign language class? Uh, anyone struggled with the subjunctive? Man, that was me in high school. French classes, like, this is the hardest thing. I've never mastered it. Actually, lived in France. I still don't think I've mastered it. Um, we actually use it all the time. So even if you don't know what the subjunctive means, you actually do, because you use it all the time. Um, and the subjunctive simply communicates wish, desire, or possibility. It's not what is or what will be, but what may be, right? And so the subjunctive is how we communicate hope. It's also the tense of imagination. 
I hope that you'll forgive me for nerding out here in Grammarland for just a second more, but I just want to say this. As followers of Christ, we live in the subjunctive. It's not just a tense in which we bless people with, right? We live. This is the tense of faith. We just pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you hear the subjunctive in that? We don't pray, your kingdom has come, your kingdom will come, even if we do believe it will come. We pray, your kingdom come, let your kingdom come, may your will be done. Every time we say amen, that's the subjunctive, because that means, so be it. That's the subjunctive. Let it be so. And so when we bless people, we are inviting them into the possibilities that God has for them. And we are uh, inviting them to catch a glimpse of God's dream for them. But of course, first, we have to catch the glimpse of God's dream for them ourselves. So when we bless people, we get to use our baptized imaginations. Now, blessing isn't just an Old Testament thing. It's all over the New Testament. It's all over the life of Jesus, actually. I know that we're in a series about Joseph, but... Is it okay for me to talk about Jesus for a little while? We'll come back to Genesis, I promise. But when Jesus was 30 years old and a carpenter, before he entered his public ministry, what does he do? He goes to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John. And when he comes up out of the water, he receives a blessing from his heavenly father. Here's what happens in Luke chapter 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The blessing of the Father and the Son. Now don't miss this because it's really important. When did Jesus receive the blessing of his heavenly Did he receive it after he had served for a few years, teaching about the kingdom of God, maybe performing a few miracles? No. Did he receive that blessing after he suffered scorn and persecution at the hands of the Pharisees? No. But what about after he had completed his earthly mission and died on the cross and, and rose from the grave? No. The Father bestowed his blessing, his full blessing on Jesus before he stepped into his ministry at all. You see, there's a false narrative that we can find ourselves living by. It's a, a false narrative that I believe we have to get really good at resisting. And here's how it goes. If I perform well, I will be blessed. And that's how we're trained and formed to believe in our culture, in our cultural meritocracy, right? But this kind of thinking, it can seep into our theology. And if we're not careful, it can really mess with the way that we relate to God. But here's the truth. Blessing is entirely unearned. Blessing is pure grace. God blesses us first, and then he sends us out on our assignment, like Jesus. And when we enter our assignment, our work, our mission, whatever that is, having received God's blessing, having internalized that blessing, we're able to operate as true vessels of mercy and vehicles of grace because we've been released from trying to earn God's blessing by performing well. 
you already have it. We know it. God wants that for us. Jesus received, internalized the blessing of the Father. He valued it. He owned it. He was not ashamed of it. He lived out of it. He ministered out of it. You see, when Jesus blessed people, it came out of the overflow of the Father's blessing spoken over him. So what does Jesus do after his baptism? Well, not long after his baptism, he gives a very famous teaching on the side of a mountain with thousands of people. And it's a teaching that lasted for several days. It's actually the longest recorded teaching that we have of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And as he's opening his teaching, what does he do? He takes time to bless the people who have gathered there. Because blessing is important to Jesus. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who mourn. You shall be comforted. Blessed are you who are meek. You shall inherit the earth. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who are merciful, for you shall receive mercy. Blessed are you who are pure in heart, for you shall see God. And blessed are you who are peacemakers, for you shall be called the sons and daughters of God. love this picture of Jesus blessing people because it's a picture of the upside-down nature of God's kingdom, right? He's blessing all the wrong people. He's blessing the poor, the forgotten, the hurting, the unsophisticated, the marginalized. And he's blessing also those who serve and do good, but often in small ways that our society or society then didn't recognize as counting for very much. Well, who else is small? and humble and mostly not recognized by society whom Jesus blesses? Children, right? When the disciples are trying to part the crowds for Jesus and shoo away all the parents who want Jesus to, 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 to lay his hands on them and bless them, Jesus famously says, let the little children come to me. The disciples are thinking, Jesus doesn't have time for the kids. There are people to heal, there are places to go, there is preaching to be done. But Jesus stops everything and blesses the children. Because blessing is important to Jesus. And who else does Jesus bless? He blesses his disciples. One day, as they're walking along, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you think I am? And Simon says that he thinks Jesus is the Messiah. And here's what Jesus says in response. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you. For this was not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but by the Father in heaven. I want to stop right there. What does Jesus mean when he says, blessed are you? What do those three words mean? Blessed are you. You think that means God's favor is on you. God sees you. God is with you. God has chosen you. God has a purpose for you. God has set you apart for that purpose. And then what does Jesus do? He speaks into Simon's life as a spiritual father, blessing his son, naming his true identity, calling him into his role and responsibility, his God-given role and responsibility, and painting a picture of what the, his future will look like. So Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, 
names Simon Peter, which means rock. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Simon is given a new name. He's called to step into a new role, a new responsibility. He's no longer a fisher, but a fisher of men, and a leader of the fisher of men. He is to be the foundation of the church, the holder of the keys to the kingdom. I can't imagine he really understood what that meant at the time, but I do imagine that he cherished those words and that he held on to them, and that they served for him as a prophetic compass, a prophetic compass. That's going to help him navigate the days ahead because things are going to get dark for Peter. They're going to get very, very dark. And in that darkness, and on the other side of that darkness, these words of Jesus will remain. They will remain with Peter. And they're going to help him to step into his calling and to be all that God dreams for him to be. So this week, I casually asked a few friends from our church body if they would share with me a few stories from their own lives about times when they have been blessed and what that meant to them. And I want to share three of those with you, if that's okay. Um, I'll just share them anon anonymously. Uh, the first one is from a, a young, uh, young adult woman in our church, and this is what she said. Over the course of a few weeks, four different people told me that I had the spiritual gift of encouragement. I was pretty new to Christianity at the time, and I had to look up what a spiritual gift is. But the message stuck. This is a story um, from somebody, a, a, a man in our congregation, who, who said, I set out to become a teacher, but after three and a half years of study and various exams, I was told I don't fit the bill in terms of classroom management. I was disillusioned. I was disillusioned about what to do with my life. I went to a guidance counselor. I told him I was thinking about trees a lot. Maybe I wanted to be an arborist to help trees grow, help shape them to be healthy. The guidance counselor smiled and looked at me and said, you're going to work with people. He could see that I love helping others grow. I still love trees but I'm working with people. As hard as it was, I'm glad it didn't pan out for me to be a teacher. I wouldn't have ended up in the right place. I wouldn't have used the gifts God put in me to come alongside others. I love that story because it shows how God can use even professionals in our lives, right? To bless us, and whether or not that counselor saw this as a blessing, whether that was an intentional blessing on the counselor's part, God used this to bless this person, to really speak deeply into his life. Last story. Another uh, man in our uh, congregation uh, um, writes, someone pointed out to me that in the German language, my last name means mine. As in Isaiah 43, verse 1, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you my name. You are mine. There's a lot of brokenness and baggage on my dad's side of the family. I have sometimes been ashamed to carry my last name. But being able to make this connection to my name and to Isaiah 43 has been powerful for me. The same person writes about 
um, their nightly routine of him and his wife putting their two children to bed at night. And he writes this, or he said this, our daughter's name means defender or protector. And so every night as we tuck her into bed, we pray a blessing over her. May you be strong, gentle, courageous, and kind. And thus, we hope for her to become what she's called. Our new son's name means broad meadow. His blessing might be something along the lines of Psalm 16. May the boundary lines fall for you in pleasant places. May you have a beautiful inheritance. So thanks to those who shared these stories and for letting me share them with our congregation. So now we've talked about what blessing is, why it's important, what it looks like in scripture. I want us to get at, uh, just super practical. I'm gonna call this part of the sermon, Blessing 101. How can we bless people? There's just a few tips that I wanna give and maybe one of them will be helpful for you. But um, are you ready to enroll in Blessing 101? Okay, number one, and these are on your handout. Give voice to what you see that is good in a person. It could be their giftings, it could be their character, it could be the fruit of the spirit that you see in them, like patience or kindness. Don't assume that they know these things already. And even if they do know them, don't assume that they believe them. And that's what blessing is. It's as simple as that. You, that there you go. We could end right there. But I do want to give you a few more tips, but but that's good. You can you can you can do that, and that's that's blessing. But if you want to take it a step further, attach their giftings or character or the fruit of the spirit to their identity. So, for instance, if you are blessing someone who has the gift of encouragement, don't just observe that they have the gift of encouragement. You could also call them an encourager. You see how that invites them to step into or to see themselves, to perceive themselves. It's not only good at something, but has something. It's very powerful. If, if you notice that they handle conflict well, maybe they're good at de-escalating conflict, you could call them a peacemaker. So attach their giftings to their identity. Help them to en envision an identity for themselves that they haven't yet been able to envision for themselves. And if you want to take one more step, attach their giftings open-endedly to their future. So for instance, if you're letting someone know that they're an encourager, you might say something like, people who encourage others never have to look far for a friend. Right, suddenly that opens up kind of a new future, a possible future for them. Or if, if you're blessing that person who's the budding peacemaker, you might say, the world needs peacemakers. The world needs people like you who can navigate conflict well. No wonder how God wants to use you. Fourth tip. You don't have to speak a blessing if you want to bless someone. You could write a blessing. My favorite way to bless people is actually through writing uh, through cards. If you're writing a blessing, a really good trick to use if you want to make sure that you're, you know, blessing, you could use the words may you. Right? Remember the subjunctive? May you be strengthened. May you flourish. May you be immersed in the peace that comes from trusting in God. May your plan succeed. And finally, when you're praying for someone, that's an excellent opportunity to bless someone. And you can do that in your own words, but you don't have to use your own words. You can go to a traditional blessing 
like the ones in scripture we read, or you could go to the Trinitarian blessing. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are powerful words. They're not a comment. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the authority to speak those words over another person. And when you do, you can be assured that those words are not going to fall flat. Because remember, it's God himself who blesses people through us. Friends, we are called to be spiritual fathers and mothers. Every one of us who follows Christ is called to be a spiritual father and a mother. And, and what is the primary gift of a, of a parent to a child? It's affirming their existence, right? It's affirming the God-given goodness of who they are. And when we intentionally bless people, that's what we're doing, right? We're saying it's good you exist. You are loved and seen by God. So how can you be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother to somebody else? Easy. Seek to bless them. So let's ask the question, when is a good time to bless somebody, right? Just being practical here. And I'd like to turn that question to us. Yeah, I would, say, I would suggest a good, way, a good way to think about this is to take advantage of occasions in their life, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll give the first example, and then I'm going to invite you to shout out some other examples. But the first example is simply a birthday, right? A birthday is a wonderful and natural time to bless somebody because we're, we're celebrating a person's existence, and we're saying it's good that you exist. Apart from their achievements, right, it's good that they exist. It's a great time to bless somebody. Uh, what are other occasions? And I'll give you a hint. Any time that you might be inclined to write a card to somebody would be a good opportunity to bless somebody. Anyone brave enough to shout out uh, and a good time to bless somebody? Graduation. Graduation. Awesome. Wedding. Wedding. Yes, and lots of them happening around now. Mother's Day. Father's Day. Day. Thanks, Justin. Any other times come to mind? Birthdays. Graduation. Graduation. Weddings. Weddings. Okay. I hear I see a pattern here. Uh, let me just share a few other times that might be a little less intuitive. What about when someone's going through a hard time? That might be when they need a blessing the most, right? When someone does something kind, you want to celebrate it. Or even you see somebody doing something kind for somebody else, call it out, bless them, right? This might not be the easiest time to bless people, but Jesus does say, bless those who curse you. So if someone curses you, well, you may have an opportunity to bless them. Be tactful. Um, of course, if you find yourself having an audience like Jacob did with Pharaoh, that is the time to bless. Maybe just your city counselor, school principal, someone holding leadership. Why not bless them? So as we close, I want to return to the story of Jacob very briefly. There are two things I want us to notice. Jacob was able to bless Pharaoh because he himself had been blessed. Uh, he had been blessed. He had received blessing. He, he knew Yahweh. He walked with God, and he received his own father's blessing. And so he could stand in front of one of the most powerful men on the face of the earth at the time and bless him because he knew who he was, he knew what he had to give, and most importantly, he knew whose he was. Have you allowed yourself to hear God's voice of love and favor spoken over you? Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know 
that it's a good thing that you exist. And if you don't, God wants to show that to you. That's the gift God wants to give to you. He wants to immerse you in his love. He wants to bless you in a way that maybe your father or your mother couldn't bless you. Will you dare to agree with God, with his words, that you are eternally loved, that you're paid for with a price? Do you understand the depth of his commitment to you? Do you believe that no matter what happens, you can never be taken out of the Father's hand? Before we can effectively bless others, we need to receive God's blessing in our own life. And secondly and lastly, for Jacob, blessing was a missional act, right? Uh, he blessed Pharaoh, even though Pharaoh wasn't uh, Jewish, right? He didn't walk with Yahweh. Uh, but what a fantastic way to, to bless people, to bless people missionally. What a fantastic way for us to extend the love of God to those who do not follow Jesus. What a wonderful way to let them taste the Father's love for them and catch a glimpse of his dream for their flourishing. Is there someone who comes to mind that you might bless missionally? I'm going to invite the band up as we close. And let me lead us in a prayer. Good and loving God, you have blessed us. When you made us, you called us good. We receive that blessing. Help us to believe this. Help us to receive the dream that you have for our lives. Help us to dare to agree with you. When you speak of your delight in us, your good purposes for us, your hand upon us. Who are we to walk with God? Who are we to collaborate with God? And yet, you invite us to partner with you in blessing others and speaking a positive vision in accordance with your word that can help others glimpse the possibilities, the good possibilities you have for them. And so we pray. Heavenly Father, by the work of your Spirit in us, fit our hearts for this work. Baptize our imaginations for this task. And give us the courage to love people well in this way. May you use every little blessing that we speak or write to establish your kingdom. For that is the longing of our hearts. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.org.